This year is brought to you by TorahWeb.org. Thank you, Rabbi Rothwax, So I, I took my cue from Rabbi Leibowitz. He said when you listen to an introduction, you block out everything and you hone in on the phrase relatively young. I missed it. <laughs> in a more serious vein, I, I was banking and... Uh, felt quite secure in doing so, and, and still do, <coughs> on everyone having gotten the price of admission from listening to Rabbi Leibowitz, so I'm going to be Makatsa. While familiar with Rashi's comment, when HaKadosh Baruch Hu says to Avraham Avinu, Kachna es bimcha, Avraham Avinu says, I have two sons. Es yechidcha, your only son, Avraham Avinu says that each of my two sons is an only son to his mother. Asher Ahavta, whom you love, I love them both. Earlier, <coughs> Rashi has commented that Yishmael was already Yotzeh the Tarbis Ra. In, in an hour jargon of, of today, Yishmael was already off the derech. Vayav Yitzchak is Esav. Yitzchak loved Esav. So the Ovas Hakdoshim loved their sons, loved their children, although neither Yishmael nor Esav was a candidate for being included in the select list of the Lamed Vav Tzadikim. And yet the Ovas loved them. Lo hibit oven b'yakov v'loro omo b'yisrael Hashem alokav imo suas melech Rashi says one understanding of the Pasuk is that put forth by Unkelos, but then Rashi says there's another as well. As it were, in a certain sense, on a certain level, doesn't see, doesn't recognize the iniquity of which Yaakov, which Knesset Yisrael is guilty of. Even when they anger him, even when they are rebellious, remains in our midst. Rashi says, Truas is truer here in this context, according to this line of interpretation, doesn't uh, denote a musical note, but rather, Loshon Chiba Vereus. continues to, to cherish to love, to be our friend. My father, Zechon Levacha, would comment that when one juxtaposes this Rashi with the mandate of Ahalach Bidrachav, so it gives us our marching orders as well. So clearly, the fact that someone close to us, be it a child, be it a friend, has taken 
a very wrong turn in life doesn't forfeit, he, there, he thereby does not forfeit our love. Even though I, I hope that whatever we're going to discuss again in these brief schematic remarks is all true and is intended as to, to be halachic guidelines and parameters, but we'll quote a, a extra, a non-halachic source to perhaps help provide a framework as to how one loves in such a challenging situation and no less important, how to love without compromising our own commitment and our own principles. You know, we, we I think most of us in such a situation, the response of love would be instinctive. And there are many instincts that we have that HaKadosh Baruch Hu implanted within us because those instincts point in the direction of doing Ritzon Hashem, of fulfilling Dvar Hashem. The most primal instinct we have is for self-preservation, for life. The Chai Bohem, that, that's HaKadosh Baruch Hu's desire. And, and He gave us such an instinct, and, and there are many such examples. But it's always important to not just act an instinct, but understand what the Torah's conceptual basis for that behavior is, to make sure that the instinct remains aligned with that conceptual basis. Because when we act purely on instinct, so sometimes, at a certain point, the instinct diverges from, from the Torah's intent and the Torah's path. The Balatanya famously, in speaking about the mandate to love, even those who have, at least at this point, at this juncture in their lives, chosen the wrong path, he writes as follows. The Gemara Pesachim says that if you have a, a, a Bala Vera who's been rebuked and spurned that rebuke, that mitzvah is not so. It's a mitzvah to hate. But even those, says the Balatanya, where there's a mitzvah to hate, as, as Chazals speak of in the Gemara Psachim, mitzvah la'ahavam gamkein. Simultaneously, there's a mitzvah to love them. And, and the two are not mutually exclusive. It's possible to simultaneously hate and love, and the Balatanya doesn't have in mind a love-hate 
relationship. There it's not really simultaneous. There it's, uh, that, that phrase reflects a certain uh, vacillation and, and the swinging of the pendulum. Mitzvah la'avam gamken ushtehen heinemes. And they're both true, equally true, equally compelling. Sinu mitzad harasha bahem. A person hates the evil. Va'ava mitzad bechinas hatov hagonu shebohem. Shehu nitzvot alokus shebesochem hamachaya nafsham alokus. Call it the nitzot elokus, call it this, whatever the Kabbalistic term means, this spark, this divine spark. Call it the, the pintal yid. Call it the neshama tahora shanasatavi. That there remains at the core of every Jew something pure and uncorrupted. The real individual. And no matter how many layers may have been superimposed upon that, that remains. And that allows one to, in a very targeted way, love and hate simultaneously. Hate in terms of rejecting certain types of behavior, certain types of activities, and simultaneously love the true person over whom a veil has been cast. Thank you. Thank you. Segwaying a little bit to what we're talking about practically, in relating to someone off the derech. The mitzvah to love, to follow in the footsteps of the others, again, obviously, infinitely more significantly, following in the footsteps of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, V'alach Bedrochav, Lohibet Oven B'Yaakov, Hashem Elokav Imo, Suas Melech Bo, it means not to reject, to demonstrate love, thereby maintaining the relationship, and all of that attests to one's not giving up hope that the presence of the nitzots, of the pintalayid, of the neshama tahora, of the revolutionary transformative koach habechira means that potential always exists. And, and the love speaks to a belief, a faith, in that potential. And this too is a kim of Allah Bedrachav. As we say in the Ilad, Yom Mosul Tachakelo, HaKadosh Baruch Hu waits to one's last moments on earth that a person should do tshuva. Vim Yoshuv Miyat HaKadosh Baruch Hu is waiting. HaKadosh Baruch Hu doesn't give up. 
Kodesh Baruch Hu doesn't despair. The Rambam, based on the Gemara and Kiddush, and I feel Yibasha Kol Yama V'osa Tshuva Ba'achrona Avonosav Nimcholim We have to have that same patient perspective as well. And that's something which is reflected in and helps generate and sustain the, the love. Something else which helps to sustain and, and generate the appropriate love. The Pasuk we mentioned before, Vayav Yitzchak Esesav. So the, it's only the first half of the Pasuk. The second half of the Pasuk is, Verifko Hevesis Yaakov. So I, I heard once a gewaltige Wort from, from my mother, Zolgesundsein. There's a lack of, we're used to just the contrast between Yitzchak loving Esav, whereas Rivka loves Yaakov. But my mother pointed out that there's a, there's a disparity. Vayav Yitzchak translates Yitzchak loved, past tense. Rivka Ohevis as Yaakov translates that Rivka loves, present tense. So why that difference? So she explained, if I knew the feminine of Mosef and Mufarik, I would say, who Mosef love, who Mufarik love, but my Aramaic is, is um, rather deficient. So, he Mosfa vehimufarikola. Yitzchak Avinu wasn't naive. He, he knew Isa was a Russia. Yitzchak Avinu found moments he loved self-contained moments. He found moments when Esav did something good. Oh, that, that's something that reflects, you know, that the, the Nitzot is still there. The Nitzot hasn't been extinguished. The Nitzot is still there. It, 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 it doesn't compensate for it. It doesn't exonerate. It doesn't whitewash all the evil. But there's something to latch onto in terms of hope. It speaks the potential. He, he loved, but it was self-contained. Rivka was, it was continuous. It was ongoing. She didn't have to latch on to a moment of Yaakov. No, Rivka Hevis is Yaakov. I don't give what. I don't give what. I feel Poshe Yisrael, Malay Mitzvah Skerimon. Certainly, that, that I, I think in, in almost all cases, that isn't the phrase we, we would use to describe those who are off the derech in today's in, in age. So al-achas kama v'kama, that we have these opportunities for vayav Yitzchak Esesov. We often hear a call for unconditional love. That's the advice, that's the mantra for, again, whatever the situation, I think most commonly we hear it in the context of, of parents who are confronted with such a incomparably existentially painful challenge. It could be that what's intended in that phrase is all correct. 
But the phrase itself is very wrong. The phrase of unconditional love is, is, is a wrong phrase. Yisoda Yisodas V'Amar HaChochmos famously writes the Rambam at the beginning of the Yara Chazaka, the foundation of all foundations, the, the pillar of all wisdom, of all branches of wisdom, Leida Shiesha Motsu Rishon. There is, there exists a, a, an existent which is prior to everything, prior to all human thought. V'hum Mamtsi HaKol HaNimtsa he gives existence to everything that exists. Everything that exists derives its existence from the reality of his existence. Everything exists through him, because of him. If one does a thought experiment that HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Rachman al-Tzlan, didn't exist, Nothing else could or would exist. Conversely, if we imagine if the, the absence of everything else, would be unaffected by our absence. One can conjure up the thought of negating the existence of everything else, HaKadosh Baruch Hu would be unaffected. Shekol ha-nimtza lo, everything that exists depends upon him. V'hu Baruch Hu, ben HaKadosh Baruch Hu, lahen, he doesn't need the universe collectively. V'lo le'echad mehen, nor does he need any individual part of the universe. Or in other words, there's one absolute in existence. And that absolute is the Rebbe Shalom. Everything and everyone else is contingent. Everyone and everything else is contingent. The only absolute ontologically, in terms of existence, is HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And Mimela, the only absolute in a person's life is his submission to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. There's no apps. There are no. Maybe we'll talk afterwards if, 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 that, if that's okay. Thank you. Thank you. There are no other absolutes in life. The, the phrase unconditional love, and perhaps it's not intended this way. I, I don't know what, whether it's intended this way or not, but, but it, it has. A, a very misleading ring to it. One has unconditional love, unconditional commitment. There's only one address for that. In terms of Ritzon Hashem, Devar Hashem. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is absolute, and therefore Ritzon Hashem is absolute, and therefore Devar Hashem is absolute. Everything else that exists is contingent, and that means that no matter how profoundly invested we may be, no matter how instinctively attached we may be, there's no such thing as an absolute other than HaKadosh Baruch Hu. It is the one and only absolute that, that exists. 
So if unconditional love means don't be be non-judgmental. Maybe it's a stage. Be patient. Don't despair. Don't give up hope. See the good, the pockets of good. So that's all correct. But that's not unconditional. And it's very important to recognize that it's not unconditional. Because, you know, the, 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 the interplay between language and thought is reciprocal. On the one hand, we express thought through language. On the other hand, certain phrases then frame and influence our thoughts. Phrases that, that then become accepted, so then they influence how we think. There's this reciprocal relationship. And when we hear this erroneous term of unconditional love, so then it suggests, it prompts demonstrating a love, an unconditional love, which has no borders or boundaries. And, and that's wrong. That's only vis-a-vis -vis Baruch Hu. Let's perhaps take a couple of examples to try to concretize. Someone close, someone near and dear, is engaged in some kind of illegal scheme. Whatever it is that they're applying for a loan and not really representing their assets or the value of their assets accurately, whatever, whatever the scheme may be, and need some kind of cooperation on our part, assistance on our part. We can and should love people who are on the wrong path, but it has to be clear that the love is despite the fact they're on the wrong path. The love in no way countenances and no way endorses and no way approves of the wrong behavior. There is tremendous room for love, telegraphing that love, but the borders, the boundaries are that it has to be clear that the love is despite the wrong behavior. It in no way countenances, in no way endorses, in no way will be a part of it. In, in our generation, we, we now are bombarded 
with talk about same-sex marriages. And, and the question arises, what happens when parents have a child who's about to enter into such a relationship? The child wants the parents to be there. It will minimally strain, possibly break the relationship entirely if the parents don't go. Doesn't one have to, at all costs, maintain the relationship? There are many reasons to go to a wedding. Usually we go to a wedding, we want to be there. Sometimes we go to a wedding out of a sense of obligation. We don't necessarily want to be there, but whatever. My relationship with the, with, with, with the father of the chosen or the father of the kala is such that I sort of have a sense of obligation to, to be there. But regardless of what the motivation is, regardless of what the underlying motive is for going to a wedding, a wedding is a celebration of nuptials. I may be there because I want to be there. I may be there because I feel an obligation to be there. But regardless, I'm there joining in a celebration. A celebration of a gay marriage is a brazen defiance of Dvar Hashem. It is an unmitigated Chil Hashem. There isn't, there isn't an orthodox position that allows such a step to be contemplated, much less taken. It is totally, totally out of bounds. It's an unmitigated chil Hashem. There isn't a Jew who doesn't know what the Torah's position on homosexual behavior is. There isn't a Jew who doesn't know that homosexual behavior and homosexual marriage is absolutely forbidden. To engage in it and to celebrate it is to celebrate a brazen defiance of Dvar Hashem. And that can't be countenanced for anything. Chil Hashem is, is never a justified means for anything. David HaMelech, the Gemara Yuvama says, David HaMelech gives the descendants of Shoal to be killed because otherwise there would have been a Chil Hashem. Chil Hashem is not a measure that, that we can ever, ever employ towards some greater end. There is no greater end. And it's an unmitigated Chil Hashem. An unmitigated Chil Hashem. The same is true for intermarriage, Rahman Intermarriage is something that poses a mortal threat to the continuity of Kal Yisrael. It can't be measured, I remember many, many years ago, maybe this accounts for the missing phrase in Rabbi Rothwax's introduction, but I remember many, many years ago, someone asking the Rav Zechon Levacha that formerly, you know, the, the love of Los Sishat the love of intermarriage 
is not more chomor, certainly not more chomor than the love of Chil Shabbos. So why do we take such a hard line on intermarriage? But, again, we do have the Balatanyas, again, not what the popular phrase of love-hate means, but the Balatanyas form of love-hate relationship when it comes to Chil Shabbos. Why do we take such a hard line when it comes to intermarriage? So he said you can't measure the Avera simply by whatever onesh, whatever punishment may be prescribed, bideodam. Intermarriage destroys Knesset Yisrael. How can one celebrate an act which, which, which poses a mortal threat to the continuity of Kali Yisrael? It's also a Chil Hashem. It's also a Chil Hashem. And, and it doesn't make a difference why one is at the wedding. No, that's, that's the reason for being there. But the being there is being part of the celebration. It, the reason doesn't define what one is doing. Reason speaks to motivation. But regardless of motivation, the definition of a wedding is a celebration of nuptials. One cannot celebrate an intermarriage. There's no, there is no greater cause which justifies the Chil Hashem. We began by, by referencing the Akedah, so maybe we'll finish on that note as well. The Rambam explains that the Nisoyan of the Akedah was that HaKadosh Baruch Hu, first the Rambam describes how incomparable the love is that Avraham Avinu felt for Yitzchak. Imagine someone childless for so many years. Imagine someone whose entire dream, whose entire life's work is that he wants to be the progenitor of an umma hayodaas es elokeha, of a nation, that it shouldn't just be individuals who recognize HaKadosh Baruch Hu, who, who, who have monotheistic belief, but there should be a nation devoted and defined by that. That's what he wants more than anything. And then after decades and decades of, of childlessness, Finally, that son is born. And then HaKadosh Baruch Hu comes and tells him, V'haleu shom la'ola. Says the Rambam in the lines, between the lines, it's, it's physically impossible for a father, even Avraham Avinu, to pick up the ma'achelas, to pick up the knife, lishchot is beno, unless he first suppresses that love. And the Nisayun was, and Avraham Avinu, in that sense, he fulfilled the Akedah, because he didn't know that HaKadosh Baruch was about to stop him. What the Ovo Sakdoshim did, implanted within us, spiritual, created within us, spiritual capacities. There 
emuna, the discovery of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, the emuna Bashem, endowed us with such a capacity. And their self-sacrifice endowed us with a capacity for self-sacrifice as well. HaKadosh Baruch Hu doesn't ask anyone else to perform the Akedah. HaKadosh Baruch Hu doesn't ask anyone else to do anything which even approaches that. But it is unquestionably a very big Nisoyan when the absolute in life, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and our commitment to Him requires that we say no to our children, requires that we curb the instinctive love, when it requires that we recognize that there isn't unconditional love. It is a very big Nisayan, but it's a Nisayan that we have the capacity for because it pales in comparison to the Nisayan that Avraham Avinu succeeded that, which endowed within us spiritual capacities. The, and and I'll, I'll, I'll conclude with this. I think it's the Tshuva Sarashba who says that when we say Shema, every morning and night, Hashem Elokein, Hashem Echad, so a person should have in mind that he's willing, he's ready to be Mosa Nefesh. That if circumstances would require it, a person is ready to die, Al Kedesh Hashem. What's that got to do with saying Hashem Echad? I'm saying something about Hashem Echad. So how does this willingness and readiness to incur martyrdom, how does that tie into Hashem Echad? It, it clearly does, right? I mean, the Rashbad isn't innovating this idea. Because the very next posik after Hashem Elkan Hashem Echad says, Bechol Nafshacha, Afilu Hu Notels Nafshacha, because Hashem Echad means what we're talking about. That HaKadosh Baruch Hu is the only absolute. Even one's own life is not absolute. And even that strongest of all instincts for self-preservation, to want to continue living, which 99.99% of the time we're supposed to live by, we're supposed to adhere to, but there is a point oh oh one where no Hashem Echad, Hakadosh Baruch Hu is the only absolute, and that's supposed to guide us in all our in all our actions, even in challenging times. Thank you.